we are back for another episode of the freewheeling podcast we no longer well i was gonna say we don't have to talk about the Giro rosa anymore but we will actually be talking about the Giro rosa today um but we're back to our regularly regularly scheduled programming lauren how are you today i'm good i'm just enjoying this lovely Belgian weather. I feel like every time you ask how I am, I refer to the weather, and apparently that's like what Belgians do. So I think I'm really fitting into the country at the moment. Um, I'm excited because tomorrow or today, as people will be listening to this, is Flesh Rallon, which means that the racing is back in the north, and that means that two of my, well, a new favorite race, I hope, is just around the corner, Flanders and Paris-Roubaix, which we will talk about later. But other than that, Alice Hood here. Good, good. I mean, to be fair, the weather really can influence your feelings. Oh, yeah, I've certainly learned this. I think we've spoken about how (laughs) every time we came to Belgium to race, as you were getting on the plane to leave, it was kind of like, whew, wouldn't want to live there. But uh, here I am. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got like a ton of stuff to cover today. Um, Getting more of the kind of uh, housekeeping out of the way. We just want to also say thank you so much to all of our new listeners because we picked up a bunch during the Jero Rosa. So thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. And for anyone who supports Velo Club, Velo Club is pretty much how this podcast is, is able to be a thing. So thank you so much to the Velo Club supporters. If you're not a supporter of Velo Club, it's this really cool thing where you can support with one monthly payment. You can support Cycling Tips and support everything that Cycling Tips does. You can also get access to the Slack, which means you can let us know all of your opinions. And everyone on Slack has great conversations about a myriad of different things, not just cycling. There's like an entire channel dedicated to music. There's a food channel. Like it's, it's this really amazing community. So if you're not part of Velo Club, check it out because it's really cool. And that's kind of, I guess that's kind of all I got as far as um, housekeeping. Lauren, do you have anything to add? Uh, at this point, no, but it is great. I like to jump on the Slack channel as soon as a race is finished and something a little bit controversial has happened because then it's just, I like scrolling quite often. I don't comment, but I'm one of those people who just like sits there and smiles at the comments. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do that too. Like every once in a while when I'm like really fed up with Twitter and like all the Twitter nonsense, I'll go on Slack and like scroll through it. And it's just like, it's hilarious. People are so funny on there. It's a very positive environment and it's it's really just a great community to be a part of. So moving into women's cycling, this weekend we had the world championships in Imola, Italy, which was awesome. I mean, the fact that Elisa Longoborghini gave an interview after the race and she said something along the lines of during the beginning of the pandemic, Italy was seen as kind of the ones that brought it into Europe. Obviously not, that's not how it works, but that's kind of how, how it seemed in the beginning of the pandemic. And now Italy is really a role model of how to be able to put on this race with such short notice after Switzerland was unable to do it. And yeah, the, the organization at, at Imola was incredible. The racing was amazing. Um, the TT was, is the first thing we're going to talk about. And there was two talking points that really came out of the time trial. That was Anna Vonderbregen won her first ever world championship time trial title. 
And the other was the crash of the defending champion, Chloe Digart. So Chloe went around a corner in her error bars and it, it's still kind of undetermined what happened, but I think I can say as someone who's like ridden a time trial bike around corners like that, that going, she took that corner a little hot to be in the aero bars. There's a little bit of a wobble. Some people thought maybe she got a front flat or something like that, but she ended up going over a guardrail and she had a pretty nasty laceration on her leg. She went into surgery and as far as we know now, she's doing a lot better. And she's said in the media that she's going to be back stronger than ever, which I fully believe from Chloe. So Lauren, do you have any opinions about, about this crash? And we don't really have to like go, we're not going to go into why she crashed because I think yeah. it's kind of, yeah, I agree with that. I, I honestly, We can't really speculate no, about it. I have it. nothing else to add. And then people could speculate, well, if she hadn't crashed, maybe Anna wouldn't have won, but you know, you can't really, um, I don't like to say those sorts of things because whoever won on the day won on the day. And to be brutally honest, Anna is just in fantastic form. And she rode two beautiful races over the weekend. And not only that, but her form leading into the World Championships has just been on point the whole time. So um, as with regards to the crash, yeah, Abby, I agree with you. It was a pretty hairy corner to come in fast. I definitely would have come out of the drops personally and yeah the um the error bars sorry not the drops <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah it was a pretty gnarly crash um and I really hope that she comes out of this better but I'm I'm sure she'll be back and ready for Rio um like you said knowing Chloe and she's still young and she's just starting her career so um yeah she personally said that her first reaction when she had fallen over the barrier was where's my bike I can still win this thing and that pretty much sums up Chloe Digger to a T because she's had she had a really really bad crash in the tour of California where she had a concussion for a really long time she was suffering from that and she was able to come back and last year she won the world championships time trial before that she had another injury due to overtraining I think after Rio and she was still able to come back and place fourth at the world championship time trial with basically no pre with basically nothing leading up to it I mean she is just unbelievably strong and I think if there's anyone who can come out of this injury and be stronger on the other end it'll be Chloe she's just She's just an incredible, incredible athlete. She's She just loves winning. Like, I don't know if she loves riding her bike, but that girl loves to win. Yeah, yeah. I think I read something. Um, maybe her coach actually said that that is why she will be back is because she just loves to win and she will want to continue to win. So, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. And she's – interestingly, she's coached by Kristen Armstrong – and she lives in Boise, Idaho, where Kristen Armstrong lives. And the two of them are very, very close. And uh, it's it kind of elevates Chloe in like a the way that you should see her because Kristen was always the same way. She was always just so single-mindedly dedicated to mm. winning. And so the two of them together is like, 
Chloe is amazing. And then you add Kristen as her coach and it's like, okay, well, this girl is unbeatable. And I mean, I personally think she would have won the the time trial anyway, but I agree. Like Anna Vanderbregen is on such good form right now. And she's, it's actually, I think it's kind of interesting the way that Anna Vanderbregen has been able to win like the Giro and also the time trial. And we'll go into the road race in a second, but she's kind of like a very quiet winner because she's Anna Vanderbring. She's won so much stuff. She's won literally every single title that you can win, Yeah, yeah. but she's still just like this very, very subdued and quiet person that I don't know. I find it so interesting. The unassuming champion almost. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. why I think that beautiful shot that was going around um, of her riding on top of that ridge just sort of kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Just, yeah. Yep. It really does. Yeah. And one of the things also that's really great about her is that she's just like, she's she's not like Voss. Like Voss, whenever she wins, she looks shocked. Yeah. <laughs> which I just love. But like Anna Vanderbregen is just so calm and collected and you and you can see it like not only in the way that she carries herself, but in the way she rides. So she after winning the team, the individual time trial, two days later, she won the road race. And the way that she won the road race was with 41.3 kilometers to go. Anna Vanderbregen went solo and really no one could follow her. There was a group of people that we would have absolutely assumed um, would have been up in the mix that were right behind her. Cecile Utrecht-Ludwig, Kashini Wadoma, Annemiek Van Vluten, which we can get into in a second, and Elisa Longo-Borghini. And they were able to, to kind of be there, but then they got caught by the Peloton and Anna Vanderbregen went on to win solo. But when Anna Vanderbregen went, she was just her whole body was so still and she was just so smooth in the way that she was riding. Like she looked like she was riding, you know, to get a coffee. She just looks so calm. The thing about Anna is just a side note. She looks beautiful on the bike. Like she just looks like she was born to ride a bicycle. Um, And just everything, her pedal efficiency, everything. She, she looks like a bike rider. And she time-trialed away from everyone. So the world champion, basically, yeah, she just time-trialed away from them. And it makes you think, like, when you look at the caliber of riders behind her chasing, that she was able to extend her lead. So then you got to think, well, she was riding faster on her own than four of – or five? Four of them. Four of the best riders in the world. Yeah. She was – I mean, I think it was a combination of her form, but also the course yeah. in Italy didn't really lend very well to a chase group being able to organize and get time because the course was so technical and so rolling. Like it was just up and down and yeah. up and down. And when a course is like that, it's really, really hard for riders to get into a rhythm and chase someone back, which we also saw in the men's yeah, race, exactly. right? But the way that the course was it was the perfect way to win that race would have been solo because once you get a little gap, you can hold it like Philippe did, but Anna Vonnebregen was, she's just on such good form that she got that little gap. And I think the riders behind her couldn't quite organize enough to be able to pull her back, but also just didn't quite have the legs. And, uh, and I think 
that they may have either called it or it looked like they kind of decided the better option was to kind of be brought back by the group behind them because they did get swallowed mm-hmm. up by that group that was behind them with um, some more other... They So that some of them had teammates, like Lizzie had teammates. And that's kind of an interesting thing because you'd think that that group of riders would be able to stay away. And the fact that they didn't stay away kind of says Yeah, something. exactly. And like you were saying, when a rider like Anna goes or Philippe, for example, they're... So she got quite a gap on them and there's that moment of hesitation where you decide that you're going to try and go it alone or you're going to wait and that can determine the the end result. Um, But she just rode a perfect race and when she went with 40Ks to go, I was like, ooh, did did she have to go now? Like, you know, because Anamika just attacked and then I thought, okay, she's doing it. She's like fully committing to this. She's going solo. Um, just kind of like what Anamik did the year before, but she obviously went a lot longer. And when she did that, people were like, nah, 100Ks, come on. That's a bit too early to go. But again, that course is well, like you said. That course was a really hard course, I think, in Yorkshire to really organize yourself and put in a proper chase when it's so undulating, right? The interesting thing about about these um, organizers trying to make these really, really challenging courses is it actually kind of neutralizes the race in a way mm. because the race is the course is so hard that for the women's race, we didn't see any action for the first two laps of a five lap course yep. race um, because it was just too hard that people were afraid to go. And then when finally like a big break went at one point, they barely got any time. And it's, it's kind of because the way that the course was organized, it doesn't lend to kind of a more dynamic race situation. Mm. If Mm. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. But yeah, it was a really exciting weekend. Um, I enjoyed every bit of it it was it felt like it was the world championships does that make sense I know it is but it's like because the season's just been so short it was like of course it's the world championships right now and well it feels so weird because we like ended the Giro and went into the world championships and usually there'd be over a month between the two and well over and so yeah it, yeah well over a month so it does feel like super weird <laughs> like and we have flesh alone tomorrow so it's like Wait, <laughs> what is it? What day is it? I don't know. I mean, I have to say it could yeah. be flesh on tomorrow because the weather here is certainly turning. And as you know yourself, um, around that time of year when you're racing, it can be either a beautiful day or it can be a pretty shitty day. So very much uh-huh. a toss up. Yeah, I think it's also also important um, before we kind of move on to the next the next news is to kind of talk about the Dutch tactics in the road race because they it was a very very interesting team tactics and people have been it is it's no secret that the Dutch are the best when it comes to the world championships they have they have the most numbers they have the most winningest riders on their team making the Dutch world's team in and of itself is like an incredible feat um and, and their tactics were really, really interesting because on the day, like Voss 
if she was on good form, she could have won the race. And Annemiek Van Vluten, even with a broken wrist, we saw she got second. And so she was also, she also had good legs. And Anna van der Bregen did win. So when Anna van der Bregen went, Amy Peters was in a break up the road, not with a very big gap at all. Voss attacked at the bottom of the climb, of the the second climb on the course. So the most crucial of the two climbs. Voss attacked Annemiek Van Vluten took over and then Van de Bregen went. And it was probably the most impressive move as far as using their cards in in like that order that I've seen in a really long time. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? I have to say, though, like this might just be my interpretation of watching the race, but Annemiek looked quite shocked once Anna went and got that huge gap. And she was really fighting to get across. Um, then Elisa, of course, tried to have a crack. But, I mean, like, you know, I, because I think as well that um, before Annemiek crashed out of the Giro, right, she had been riding away from everyone. So perhaps for her, and let's not forget that she just broke her wrist and was in surgery. So the effects of the anesthetic can wear on for some time, actually. Um, I don't believe she could have been at her very best that day physically, but she is incredible. So no. Um, yeah. But- I mean, it, it is, it is interesting. Cause it could, cause as far as like us watching, like we don't know if like Voss was attacking to get away and then Van, Van Vluten was attacking, you know, to have her own victory. And then Van der Bregen was just on better form or if that was like a planned thing. Like we don't know that. And it could be Let's either remember, way. This is the only race in the year where you don't have race radios. So it's very different to a very normal true. race where there's a lot of communication. And I remember going into world championships and we had the plan, a plan, but quite often that was just thrown out the door straight away. And then you rely heavily on your team captain, but it was beautifully laid out. Like it looked like that's exactly what the plan was, right? That that's when Anna was going to go and it worked out. Yeah. And they got, Anamit got second that her, when, on the last lap, on the very last climb, Elise Longaborghini went, which we totally expected to see, you know, home race, wearing the Italian kit. She's just so proud to be Italian, and we knew she was going to put in a good race. So when Elisa went, Van Vluten was able to follow, and the two of them got away to go for second and third, and then Voss won the bunch kick from behind with Lizzie Dagnan and the rest of the best so on a meek <laughs> she said <laughs> she said after the race that she didn't want to be a role model that nobody should race with a broken bone and that she was lucky the type of break that she had that she was able to race mm-hmm. and she did actually, like you you talked about anesthetic. So she actually did a local anesthetic. So she wasn't under when they put the plate in oh, her arm. Wow. She just had a numb arm, which is like actually terrifying. Yes. I didn't even uh, know they did that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that I, I mean, I okay. no, I opt All right, out. Because that makes <laughs> sense. Because in my head, I was like, if she was if she'd had like a proper anesthetic and she went under 
uh, I'm sure people listening who have crashed their bikes or had any other surgery, you're just out of it for a few days. Like, you just feel it. It's yeah. really the drugs are heavy. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. And she, and it wasn't just uh, like she had to get cleared by the Dutch team doctor and, and her own team doctor before she was able to race. So it, like it wasn't, <laughs> but I still don't agree with the decision to raise her bike with a cast, um, on such a technical course. I, yeah. I'll tell a little story about racing with a cast, and this is just my own personal experience. Um, I broke my wrist ten years ago, and um, it's that tiny little bone in your wrist. I can't think of the name of it now. It gets broken quite a lot, but it's an important bone. And if you don't actually wear a cast, um, if blood flow doesn't go through that area, you can get necrosis of the bone. Anyway, it was my first call up to an Australian Institute of Sport training camp. And I crashed in this criterium. And a week later, I found out I'd broken my wrist. So they asked if I could come on the camp. And I asked the doctor if it was okay. And he said, yeah, it's fine. You've got a flexi cast on. You can go. But you're just going to have to be careful. So you can still ride your bike, but just be aware that you're not going to be able to handle your bike as well. Um, I did sometimes get out of the saddle, but I was just a bit scared what would happen to my wrist. So I stayed in the saddle the whole training camp. I think it was on day four. Just a freak timing as I went to take a drink from my bottle cage. I had the bad wrist, which was left hand, not my usual hand to grab my water bottle, just sitting on the bar. And as I took a drink of water, um, there was a stick on the road that someone didn't call out and I hit the stick. My front wheel locked up. I went down. I caused the girl next to me to crash. But um, thankfully, she was okay. But I completely destroyed my left elbow. And anyone who's seen me has seen that it was like, um, basically cheese grated off and I broke the tip of my elbow off and I severed my tricep and it was a horrific crash um, that then put me out for the next season. So in terms of handling, that was anyone who listens to the podcast and now doubts over her racing, that was just my personal hesitation because of having experience of riding with a cast. Yeah, and and it's also, it's not even just like a ride out, you know, it's racing the world championships, which is this really weird combination of the very top of the sport and also other nations who have been able to get enough points to put, put riders into mm -hmm. the race who don't necessarily race in the world. Tour and they level. don't race in big bunches. So it's really great to see those nations, but it's like at the Olympic games, you get a, a lot of riders from countries. You've never seen them before. You've never seen them in the pro peloton. And, and she did like it's it the bone that she broke she got lucky that she was able to do a local anesthetic to put the plate in and able to race without any pain and she was very lucky that nothing happened but i still think that the risk is not necessarily worth the reward worth it although she did get second so there you go and um <laughs> But she, interesting, <laughs> interestingly, she has opted out of racing flesh. So she's not going to be racing tomorrow. 
And so, I mean, normally she yeah she would go really well in that race, but um, I just don't think she's at her best, and she would have seen that for herself on the weekend. Again, she got silver, but we're talking about Annemiek van Vluden, former world champion. Um, she doesn't mm-hmm. like, and she looked like she was suffering. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I mean, on the the Moor de Hui, I mean, it's just a full out effort out of the saddle. And um, yeah, with a broken mm-hmm. wrist, I don't know how how that's going to go as as well as before. So moving on, moving on. So the biggest news to happen over the weekend is that the UCI Women's World Tour calendar for 2021 has been released with one race notably left off of the calendar, and that is the Giro Rosa. So. Lauren and I covered the Giro Rosa this year, and we had our reporter, the Cycling Tips reporter, Amy Jones, on the ground. And kind of the main talking point out of the race was that there was no live coverage. Um, And while there is a rule for the UCI Women's World Tour races that they have to have 45 minutes of live coverage... The Giro Rosa did not do that, and they cited the pandemic and the change in calendar for for everything, and we've talked about this, so we won't go into it in huge detail, but they will no longer be World Tour next year, and at first when the news was released, it was kind of, we didn't know if the Giro Rosa had opted out of being Women's World Tour because that means that they don't have the rules that come along with the status, or if it was the UCI. But today, the UCI released a statement, and I will read it. The Union Cyclist International, I don't know if I said that right, (laughs) (laughs) has withdrawn the Giro Rosa from the UCI Women's World Tour 2021 due to various shortcomings on the part of the organizer with regards to the specifications, particularly in terms of television coverage, despite repeated requests from us over the past few years. We hope that the Giro Rosa historic event on the professional women's road cycling calendar is that is highly appreciated by the riders will do its utmost to reach the level required by the UCI women's world tour. Now, (laughs) this is interesting. Yes, this is interesting because we were talking about how the Giro Rosa has no live coverage has really never tried to have live coverage in Uh the past and how they, they seem like they can just get away with it because they're the only 10 day women's stage race and the UCI has put their foot down and said, Nope, we made this rule. If you're a women's world to a race, you're going to follow it. And they've demoted the Giro Rosa who the organizers of the Giro Rosa, um, are shocked that they've been left out of the calendar. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I was shocked a little bit because normally this, doesn't happen right like we okay for lack of a better word we complain about something it's something we've been talking about for years and I actually think enough people were actually putting out this message into the world particularly on social media that they were upset about this and questioning the UCI because they're our governing body why is this race still a world tour race when they're not giving us the the coverage that we deserve and as you mentioned it's just a condition of being a world tour race point. Um, so for me, I was like, wow, like actually the UCI did something. They listened. There must've been 
enormous pressure on them coming from somewhere. And I'm sure the Cycling Alliance would have had many things to say to them. So um, I think this is a really positive thing. Um, of course, we want to see the Giro Rosa still be put in the calendar, but maybe for the people organising the, the race, this will be like the little nudge that they need or actually big nudge to just get their shit together. Yeah, it's so this is there's good and mm-hmm. bad here because like you said, the UCI have actually done mm-hmm. something. And I would never have guessed that they would have. Like if you'd asked if you told me this a week ago, I'd have been like, No. <laughs> Come on. No. They're not gonna pull the Jarosa from the like I wouldn't have ever believed it. So it's good that the UCI has taken this step because it shows the other races that are women's world tour. We're not messing around. If you don't have live coverage, if you don't abide by these rules, we'll pull your, we'll pull your status. You won't be world tour anymore. So as far as kind of laying down the law, they've done it. Now the Giro Rosa, the only 10 day race on the women's calendar is no longer world tour. One of the most iconic races. So it's a good thing in that the Giro Rosa has now gotten this, I mean, I would say slap on the wrist, but it's kind of a slap in the face that they're no longer world tour because they didn't, you know, put forth the effort to have the live coverage. They don't have enough funding to be a world tour race in the first place. And the organization as we heard from Amy on the ground and as we heard from our diarists during the Giro Rosa podcasts, it's not great. Like for a world tour race to midway through the race, have it go over the radio to the riders. Hey, we changed the finish. That's not the, that's something that happens in like an amateur race. That's not something that should happen in a world tour race. And you can try to say, Oh, the pandemic has really changed things. And the change of the, they had to change the whole route and stuff like that. But look at the world championships. They, they went off without a hitch. Yes. It's a one day race. So it's a little bit different, but other races have been able to organize and put forth great races with the pandemic and with the change of calendar. And they haven't had the same issues. And the thing about the Giro Rosa is this is not a this year thing. This is not a pandemic thing. This has always been a thing with the Giro Rosa. They have always had poor organization and no live coverage. And the reason. I think they and like. And the reason as to why. And that's. Yeah. Th- this is the point, I guess, that we need to get at is that enough is enough. And I think Chloe Hosking put out a pretty good tweet the other day off the back of um, an interview with Lizzie Banks um, was that it's we we have to stop making excuses for these organizations or these teams, um, if if we want this sport to truly be a professional sport where, you know, young girls, we can encourage them to really enter the sport and know that they can be paid a proper salary and have a long life in the sport if they wish to, then we need to say no and stop with this because it was the same for a bunch of the ASO races over the years that weren't giving live coverage I always said, well, we don't need them because there are other races that will step up to the mark and do exactly what they're meant to do if they're going to be a world tour race. 
um, and give women exactly what yeah. they deserve. So we all have to stand together, and I think that's pretty much what Chloe was saying is everyone has to unite, the riders, the fans, the teams, the sponsors, and really just get behind what we perceive this sport to be and what we want it to become. And there was a lot of people on Twitter who were really upset by this, that the Giro Rosa won't be World Tour next year. I saw a lot of comments from people who who were who thought that this was a step in the wrong direction and were not pleased with this decision. And I think, yeah, it is a bummer that this race that is so iconic for the women has been demoted and will no longer be world tour. But if the riders are saying this race shouldn't be world tour, then us as people sitting on our couches who aren't part of the race, we should listen to the riders and what they're saying. (laughs) And yeah. (laughs) And as far as, you know, having an amazing race that Lauren and I do a daily podcast about and we get, you know, three more riders to do diaries from and stuff like that, we're going to we're going to find a race next year, guys. Like, don't worry, we will have a race where we will do daily podcasts from. I think Unfortunately, our next bit of news is that the Battle of the North is postponed to 2022 due to the pandemic um, and a problem with organization. But hopefully we'll have the Women's Tour Britain back and, you know, maybe we could even go to it live and do podcasts live. So we're going to we're still going to have races that we're going to be able to back. And there are races that are just so much more dedicated to growing women's cycling than the Giro Rosa. So I think, yes, it is a bummer, but in general, this is a good thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's not to say that the Giro Rosa will go away. I mean, it might, but if they really want to keep this race, the organization, um, if it's an important race to Italy and the Italians, for example, then they will find the means to do it. Um, and, you know, they've got some fantastic riders coming out of Italy. So for them, you know, someone like Elisa Longo-Borghini is not going to want to see the race go away, but she'll understand why there needs to be change. So, But like Abby said, there are going to be plenty of races um, that will be on the calendar in 2021 and 2022. We just have to look to the future. And, of course, it's been strange times of late, but um, – I have no doubt that the Battle of the North will be exactly that, an an epic battle in probably the most beautiful part of the world. (laughs) And we will still be going to that whenever it happens so that we can eat salmon and, (laughs) in general, enjoy (laughs) (laughs) the Scandinavian countryside. Well, because, I mean, you know, the Tour of Norway has the uh, salmon prize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I think it's the most aggressive rider gets like their weight in salmon or something. Yeah, something crazy. Yeah. And so Julie Leth made a joke once that I really liked that was like, you see a rider attack and you're, and she was like, she turned one of her teammates. She was like, there goes the salmon. (laughs) (laughs) And so whenever I think of like racing in Scandinavia, I just think, oh, there goes the salmon. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. So. We've got two more little bits to talk about today. The first of those two things is that Ashley Woman Passio will be riding for SD Works in 2021. Didn't pick which that. Which is great. This is a, no, yeah, definitely didn't pick that, but this is a great move for her. 
I think so too. She'll fit into that team really, really well. Um, she'll get a lot out of riding, I think, in a team full of duchies. I mean, she's used to being in teams with duchies, but um, yeah, she's going to, I think, well, it's Anna's last year, I suppose. So um, mm-hmm. it will be interesting to see those two work together, but um, to have a really strong climber like Ashley alongside her, um, will be really good for, for the team. And in terms of her own results, um, for Ashley, I suppose the Olympic Games is probably her biggest thing on her radar for next year. Yeah, and um, and Anna will need a climber with her because the other SD work slash Bowles Domains news that's come out in the last 24 hours is that Katie Hall has retired from cycling. Aww. Which is, I mean, I think this is a great move for her. She's going to PT school. She's actually going to be able to spend time with her husband who is in the U.S. while she's always in Europe. So, yeah, great. I mean, a round, another round of applause for Katie for, like, just having such an incredibly, it was a short career, but hot damn did she get stuff done. Yeah, because she she really only stepped up to the world tour very recently, and she achieved a lot in a short time. Um, and as an older rider coming into the sport, so yeah, round of applause for Katie. Congratulations on a short but sweet career, and best of luck doing really cool shit afterwards. So the final thing that we've got to talk about today is that tomorrow is Flesh Wallone, and after that is Liège. Bass on Liège. So we are into the quote-unquote spring classics now. Yeah, and usually we have like Flanders before, but now, but you know, the whole calendar is all over the place. So it's actually not weird that tomorrow's flesh will on. But um, I don't, um, I cannot for the life of me figure out what season it is right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, the leaves are falling off the trees, um, which is quite different mm. to the spring. So, um, Very different. literally the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I have to be honest, I can't see anyone beating Anna Vanderbergen up that wall. So she has won flesh alone in 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016, and 2015. So the, the last person to win Flesh Wallone that was not Anna Vanderbregen was Pauline Ferrand Prevost in 2014. Wow. And coming off of the wor- both world championships, like Anna Vanderbregen's the first woman to hold the road and TT world championships at the same time since Jeannie Longo in 1995. And with this form, I agree, it's hard to see anyone beating Anna Vanderbregen. Yeah, and as as we know, I think you race flesh on like there's quite often there's like this early break that goes, then you know a bit of action starts happening. It's quite a challenging course. Um, I'm not too sure which climbs are in it this year if it's any different to previous editions, um, but it always seems that it sort of comes back together before the, that final climb, that iconic wall, and then it's just mm-hmm. like just whoever it's a very special rider that can win on that course even if you look at the men's race it's always a certain type of rider um there's not many like Ala Philippe 
again, who's going to be able to beat him up there this year? I mean, it's kind of the same as I was saying about the world championships course, right? If a course has something like that climb, the if, if, if a course has something like the Muir de Wee in it, it kind of makes the race less exciting in that there's very limited amount of riders who can utilize that kind of slope. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll be, I mean, there are some other riders who could definitely do well. Uh, Elisa Longaborghini again is still riding super well and she's just like knocking at the door at a huge victory like flesh alone. Um, so she could be up there. We could definitely see that. But as far as, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe it will be a breakaway because it's like a wacky year this year. Yeah, it's a wacky could well year. Well, be. I would love to see that. Yeah, I mean, a few years definitely. Back, I think when Anna Meek actually got second, it must have been two thousand and fifteen or fourteen. I'm gonna say maybe fourteen. No, maybe it was sixteen. I can't remember. Anyway, this break pretty much got caught just before it, um, and that's how she managed to hold on to second this is before she was like mm, that was 2017 yeah yeah before she I was, think it was like maybe 2017 yeah so yeah but when she it was post olympics but before she was able to like just like ride away. ride away from people like they were standing still yeah and i just remember thinking i remember interviewing her because i was there doing something around flesh on this is post retirement and asking if it, if she would attempt to do something like that again because it almost almost worked and in 2012 mm-hmm. um when evelyn stevens won lululemon set her up brilliantly for the win because um clara hughes the former olympic champion in speed skating was her teammate and yeah, got canadian in, yeah yeah that's it she got in a really strong break um of like it was just the right combination and then voss and yeah, Evie bridged across, and then it was a battle for the two of them up the moor. So it can yeah. it can go that way. So we'll just have to wait and see. I hope it's not just a group of 20 or 30 rolling into the bottom, but um, we'll just wait and see. I personally love Liège, Boston Liège. I think that's a very exciting race. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited for Liège, Boston Liège as well, and and both of them will have – at least an hour of live coverage on flow bikes. If you're in the U S or Canada on GCN, if you're in Europe and I believe SBS in Australia is if Eurosport has it live, then you can probably find it most places. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great news. Yeah. SBS has been doing a great, really stoked about that. And they have a great commentary team too. Yeah. So, so a lot of racing coming up and probably a lot more transfer news to come as the season gets closer to the end and I, and which I is really only time. like a month away <laughs> yeah, yeah coming up fast yep definitely and i it's interesting because i it's whether we'll see people retire um who were maybe at the top of their game last year and then the pandemic hit and then they you know you you get to spend so much time at home and you realize i really like this mm a lot of perspectives have um, changed, I think, around just life in general, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, riders who were maybe at the, coming towards the end of their career and were hesitating, 
I know personally a few people who wanted to retire this year because it was an Olympic cycle. And, you know, we saw with Amy Cure on the track, you know, holding on for another year just in the end wasn't wasn't worth it anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So I think 2021 is going to be super interesting year. Um, and I'm curious to see what happens over the next five weeks. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, we will be back at some point in the near future to talk about more women's racing. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me. And yeah, that's all we got. Bye.